Welcome to Fight for Your Family. And so this is a ministry, and the ministry is designed to really resource parenting and marriage. And we kind of inspired by Nehemiah himself. Nehemiah found himself working on a very important task, an important project, but he had an enemy coming against him. Uh, he had discouraged people. He had uh, disappointed people. He had just folks around him that were just facing a lot of things. And so he reached for, um, he just brought them together and said, you know what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on something. And here's what he said. He said, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And here at Bellevue, we believe that you've got a great thing going, marriage and raising kids. Yet we know that there's discouragement. We know there's an enemy. There's the culture working against you. There's all these things that are happening and, and distractions out there. So we've put these classes and other things together to help you kind of work through this and kind of make the best of what God's got called out for you. Now, just want to share with you real quick um, that I am not an expert on uh, disciplining kids. We do have some kids of our own that we've, we've five boys we've raised and brought through. Got a lot of experience I'll bring tonight. Um, I have written no book on disciplining and no podcast, websites, but I cannot wait to share with you what God's Word says and hear some from other folks in the room. Now, I will say that I'm probably one of the oldest folks in the room, and so I want to make sure I'm staying trendy and young with you guys. I'll make sure that I'm staying cool and staying on the pulse. So what I want to do is, is offer you a trendy parenting quiz. All right, now you can take notes on your page. To keep on to see how up to date you are on the most recent parenting trends, okay? So there's eight questions, okay? You can just a little tick mark if you get one right or not. Okay, really important. All right, here we go. Uh, number one is this. Number one, a trendy thing to do is to DIY a blank kitty kitchen. Is it a little chef kitty kitchen, an Ikea kitty kitchen, or a Wayfair? So is it A, B, or C? Which one is it? All right, anybody want to yell out what they think it is? Make an idea? You think Ikea? It is Ikea. That's right. So uh, if you got extra time, extra money, you can go buy a little kitty kitchen and just really decorate the entire room like you see the picture done there. All right, so cool trend that's out there. Number two, a trendy game system for on-the-go kids like yours is, which one of those three do you think it is? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, who goes way back to Atari 2600 with me? Who goes back there? That's me. I go way back. Yeah, first in the neighborhood. First in the neighborhood to have one. Yeah, everybody want to come play in my house. Yep, Nintendo Switch, you got it. So let's see, exactly right. So you got her trending so far very well. Number three, a trendy stroller is the Tim stroller, the Bob stroller, the Brother Steve stroller. Uh, which one do you think it is? Okay, it's the Bob stroller. Yep, so that fellow right there is about $600. You can grab you one of those on the way home probably at your finest stroller store here in town. So y'all are killing it. Number four, a trendy potty training thing is... A, the bucket, B, the potty watch, or C, the pull-ups. What do you think? The pull-ups? Okay, pull-ups. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so pull-ups, when my boys were young, it was pull-ups, but not now. It's the potty watch, yeah. I'm not sure what it is, but I want one. I'll tell you that. Okay, I'll take one. It looks fun to me. I'll take it. That's right. Set it as much as you want. Set that potty watch. Number five, a trendy way to tell kids it's time to get up is A, yell from downstairs, that worked for us. Uh, B, send the dog in their room, that still works for us. Um, or C, the okay to wake device. What do you think? All right, okay to wake. This one actually costs money. A and B didn't cost money. This one does. And it's got this warm green light that fills the room when it's time to get up. Really trendy. Go get you one on the way home. You'll be happy. 
Uh, number six, a trendy book and app combo is Kids on Board, Help, or Moms on Call. What do you think? Anybody got this one? I ever heard of it? All right, it's Moms on Call. All right, pretty hot, pretty good. Anybody got one of these? Or got the book? Or read the book? Or got the app? Downloaded? Me um, either. Okay. Uh, I looked at it on the internet. The price is woohoo. So I'm not sure. I'm not tell my wife about it. Number six, a trendy online game for little kids is Bluey, Picture Pages, take me back, or Dig Dug. All right, so which one do you think it is? A. a you think A? It is A. All right, Bluey. Yep. Um, so Bluey, so little games. There's even a game for grown-ups. So Joe, you and I later on, the grown-up portion, man, we'll get our little headsets on. And there you go, Dig That's me and you. Go way back. That's right. Number seven, only two more left. Number seven, a trendy place to lay your baby is the which one? Mmm, it's the Dockatot. That's right. It was like a life preserver for me, but uh, I'm not sure. It must be fabulous because they're very expensive. Okay, and number eight, and the final one is this. A trendy new piece of kids' furniture is the A Nugget, the B Box, or the C Slave. Yeah, what is it? The nugget, the nugget, yep. So I actually saw these at the Bellevue camp out. Uh, they had some of these in some tents and a uh, pretty cool little device. Uh, and it's not cheap, but it could be yours. So there you go. Um, so, hey, Trinity does not mean cool. If you don't have those, you're still in the cool factor. All right, don't worry about that. Um, but so glad you're here. And as I said, uh, not reading books on this, but I've gotten some boys and so we've got great experiences. And so um, that's where we're going tonight. We'll be talking about disciplining my kids biblically. Okay, that's where we're heading to. And before I jump into this, um, you got a handout there, you got a pen to write with. Let me invite the Lord in and we'll get started, okay? Well, Father, we praise your name and we thank you for how good you are to us. And I thank you for each person in this room. And I thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to be parents or to one day be parents, whether it's biological children or whether it's through fostering or adopting. And we thank you for the multiple ways, Lord, that you allow us um, to, to have the gift of children. Bless us tonight. Give us wisdom, God. I pray that you do the teaching. We invite your spirit into this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So where does this idea come from about dis disciplining your kids biblically? Well, let's go straight to the Bible. Here at Bellevue, we believe in biblical truth, which means that we treasure God's Word as our standard for life and faith. So we're going to turn to God's Word. There's a survey done a few years back to ask parents, where do you get your parenting tips from? Number one was, I look back to how my parents parented me. Now, for you in the room, that might have been a really good experience, but it might not have been a great experience. You might have not been parented well. But the number one way people still look back, just generally in the population, look back, they look back at their parents. Um, number two was friends or internet. Um, you had to get to three or down to get to the Bible or get to church. But for us here at Bellevue, we would say that the Bible is where we get um, our standard for life and faith. So we'll be in Genesis chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 2 with me. That's where we'll be. And the very first point I want to establish is this. God establishes authority over people. God establishes authority over people. Now this comes out of the exact opening scene of the Bible. Um, I'm going to have Tim Costick, if you would. Do you mind to read this off the screen, please? Yeah. 
Yeah, thanks, Tim, right off the bat. Uh, so question, what direction does the Heavenly Father give in these verses? Verse 15, what direction does He Y'all talk to me. In verse 15, what direction does He give Adam and Eve? Exactly right. Gave him a job, right? How about verse 16? What direction in verse 16 did he give? You can eat, yeah. You can eat freely. Here's what you can do. You can eat freely. How about verse 17? What direction? Yeah, what you can't eat from, right? What you can't. So the father said, uh, here's what to do. Here is what not to do. And here's what's going to happen, what will happen if you disobey. So very clear directive from the Father. God told the man, here's what to do, what not to do, and what will happen if you do disobey me. Sounds very clear, very authoritative. Um, should be no problems, right? Adam and Eve should have gotten that, right? They should get it and say, yes, sir, and there should be no problems, right? Well, let's pause the story right there and come back to it in just a moment. I want to give you a second truth real quick. Speaking of people, God created people to be parents. God created the man and the woman to leave and cleave and to be fruitful and multiply the earth. Um, what an amazing opportunity we have to be parents based off God's design. So some wonderful verses. This first one is Psalm 127.3. Um, Ryan, do you mind reading that off the screen, please? That's it. So, so this is a gift to me. This is an old railroader, railroader watch. Uh, it's a watch that goes in a pocket. And um, probably has very little street value. I'm not sure I can even sell it on eBay for hardly anything. Dates back to the Clinchfield Railroad, probably back in the 1940s or 50s. But you know what? I would never sell it. You know why I wouldn't sell it? It was because my granddad gave it to me. It was the watch he wore in his right pocket every day going to work. So there's no amount of money that's, that this could be offered to me to give this uh, to give this up because of who gave it to me. You think about your kids. Who gave your kids to you is the Lord. The Bible says children are a gift from the Lord. God's been so good to give us children. Proverbs 22, 6. Todd, do you mind reading this, please? Yeah, what a, what a hope-filled word of wisdom from, from Proverbs. Ephesians 6, verse 4. Do you mind read this, uh, if you don't mind? Exactly right. Speaking of instruction of the Lord, let's go to this third point. God instructs parents to disciple their children. God instructs parents to disciple, not discipline, I said, but disciple their children. Now, here's the, the quintessential text for what God wants us to do with our kids. It's Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7. Do you mind to read that, please, off the screen? Thank you. So if someone said, hey, I, I've got this baby. I'm taking this baby home from the hospital with no instruction manual. What do I do? Well, we know for certain you can tell them Deuteronomy 6. He said, well, here's we know God wants us to do this. He wants us to do these. So what are some things that he's asking us to do? Let's just walk through it. Verse 5. What's something in verse 5 that we see that, that God instructs parents to do in verse 5? Okay, God is one. Exactly right. 
through the Lord is God. The Lord is one. In verse 5, it says, you shall do what? You shall love God. Exactly right. How about verse 6? So he wants parents to love God. How about verse 6? What does verse 6 he's saying to do? All right, to keep his commands on your heart. All right, so he's talking about the parents there. Keep on your heart what God's commanded you as a parent. What about verse 7? Yeah, pass it on. Teach, teach, teach these commands diligently to your kids, okay? At all these different times, when you rise, when you get up, when you're in the house, when you're on the way, all these different times, you're to teach diligently the commands of God because they're on your heart. If you were to lay this out, it looks like this. You shall love the Lord. Okay, he's saying do that. You shall love the Lord. He tells parents also, you shall have His commands on your heart. And you shall teach God's commands diligently to your kids. So if you look at how do I disciple my children? He says, man, as you do it, you love the Lord first yourself. You have His commands here on your heart because your heart is central to how we think and behave, right? Um, but then you teach those commands that are on your heart to your kids and you teach them diligently. Like it really matters because it really does. So staying right here about discipleship, just a few things. You know, parents, we are the primary disciple makers in our kids' lives, right? We're the primary ones. Now, the church is here to help. Fight for your family is here to help. There's all kinds of great resources that are out there to help. But, but you and I, you're the primary. You're the one that gets the most time with your kids. You're the one that sees what's going on in their life what the, the hurts are going through, the, the needs that they have. You know how to come around them and disciple. God's given you that as a gift to disciple those kids. We also know this. That discipleship is it's not a one-time thing. It's, it's, it's a process uh, of making someone more like Christ. If you're discipling someone, if Joe's discipling me, he's come alongside me and he's walking with me and helping me become more like the Lord. And I get to look at his life and see his life modeled similar way parents we have the privilege of our kids watching us and seeing us model and seeing us help them become more like Christ. You can write your kid's name in there if you'd like on your paper. My role is to make John David or to make Skyler or to make Noah or to make my kids more like Christ as I raise him or her. Tonight, towards the end, I'm going to show some of my favorite books that I like on parenting. Uh, one of those is a newer book by Paul David Tripp called Parenting. And uh, I gave the book out to a few folks in the room prior to tonight. Just asked them to kind of be looking at it and thinking through it. And I want to bring Ryan Smith up. Um, if you would, come on up, Ryan, and you can sit here and use this mic if you'd like. Um, Ryan's wife, Sarah, was to be here with him, but uh, she's been teaching all day, and just she's out of words or out of voice, one of the two, right. one of those two. Um, well, I, I got a chance to hear back from Ryan on what he thought about the book. And you might just show that book, just to kind of hold that up for a second. Um, and just ask him, hey, what did you think? What was your main takeaway? And uh, one of his main takeaways kind of lines right up here with about process. So we just want to see if you'd just share for a few moments about the book and what you gleaned from it. Yeah, sure. Uh, I really, I've really been enjoying the book going through it. Um, uh, I guess probably the biggest takeaway I had from it was taking kind of a longer term approach, uh, kind of a parenting is like a process. It's not something that happens overnight. Um, I, I really appreciate that insight. That wasn't something that I'd uh, really considered before. And, and another point he made in the book that it was a perspective uh, that I definitely hadn't had was viewing disciplining your kids as opportunities to share God's grace with them and uh, uh, to teach them about God. Hey, you've got a sinful heart. This is why we need the Lord because, you know, you're not sharing with your brother. You're beating up on your brother or whatever. Um, and, and he said, 
he kind of goes into don't look at discipline your kids as a hassle. And every single time I've ever disciplined my kids, I've always looked at it as a hassle. So that was definitely like a, a unique perspective for me that I really appreciate. That's right. Who else is discipline the kids like hassle? I mean, it's frustrating at times. It's hard. It's messy. All those things. Um, was there uh, any insight for Sarah that was new for her? Maybe y'all talked through it and, and talked through, or maybe any next steps for you guys you're going to put in place? Is there one tool or something you might use? Uh, I, I believe she had a, a pretty uh, uh, similar uh, perspective to me. She She's uh, really good about, um, uh, like, when we have kids acting up, she'll she'll take time, she'll stop with them and, and kind of explain to them, hey, this is why we don't do this, this is why we do that, where I'm more of kind of, hey, you know, come on, let's go, and uh, kind of get to the point. And so it, it was definitely more uh, convicting for me. Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll talk in a few minutes about the importance of that discussion that happens before and after the action of correction. So, yep. Thanks so much for reading it. Appreciate it, no doubt. So, so you might say, so that's all discipleship is. You mean it's just like, um, just teach them diligently, like in a really calm, managed, quiet environment where they're, they're just sitting and listening intently to every word you say as a mom and dad. Uh, well, not always. Um, matter of fact, there's oftentimes where they're defiant, right? Um, disrespectful, disgusted distant, or just downright mad, right? And um, those are oftentimes how we're faced with how we engage our kids. They come at us. But we see that. The question for us is, what will we do next? What's their, That's their next move. What's our next move based on what's going on? So let's go back to our story from Genesis, where we left off a few minutes ago by Adam and Eve, and kind of pick up right there. Now, we're going to pick up beyond a big deal. The big deal was they did sin. They did end up disrespecting the Lord and disobeying Him. They ended up eating of the tree. So that was a big thing that God said, you you can do this, you can't do that. And if you do that, this is what's going to happen. And so now we're at this point, we're finding out, okay, what's going to happen next, okay? So the, the fourth main truth is this. Um, God has modeled discipline. He's going to model discipline for us, we're about to see, as a way for us to disciple, as a way for us to disciple. So a way to look at this is discipling my kids is a much bigger umbrella Okay, that's what God, God wants me to disciple my kids and make them, help them become more like Christ, point them to the Lord. Discipline is one tool in my tool belt to help them become more like Christ. There's a lot of tools in the tool belt. Discipline's one, and God has modeled how to discipline and what we're about to see. So thankfully, there's a Genesis 3, beyond Genesis 2, and we get to see what will God do next. What a gift to see how does God handle this? Because these were, in a sense, God's, Two children. He's the first two people on the earth. And he gives them clear and authoritative, here's what to not do. And they did it. Okay. They disobeyed and did it. So if you ever had your, as you have your kids disobey, realize, hey, even Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they heard directly from him. So let's look at this. This is really impactful. We're going to read Genesis 3. This is 9 through 13. Adam, do you mind reading that off the screen, please? Thank you. Is this an, on Adam and Eve's part, is this an accident or willful disobedience to what God said? Yeah, willful disobedience, right. This is just an accident. This is this is what happened. Um, Emily, do you mind reading this, please? Uh -huh.
Thank you. Based off these verses, did God just blow this off um, or did He deal with it? Did he, did he discipline Adam and Eve? Yeah, He did, didn't He? Yes. Let's look at it. Three things happened here that are really important for us. Um, this is on the back of your page. Um, I believe it is. Maybe on the front. God engaged His children after they sinned. God engaged it. Now, now what, what could, have, could God have done here? I mean, God just... Of course, he already knew they were doing it, but they just revealed to him. They just speak it. What could he have done? What were some of his options? They're disobeying him. They're right there in front of him. What could he have done? Destroy him and start all over. That's it. There you go. Yeah, he just got to go. In anger, mad, just one kick and just out there. So destroy him, kick him out with nothing to say to him in an angered way. Just don't do it again. Just don't do that. And he could have gone on, you know, doing what the Lord does, right? What's that? You could have yelled at him. That's right. He could have. That's right. I'm gonna count to three. I'm getting it. Um, but what he chose to engage them. Isn't that sweet? Okay, they sinned. They disobeyed. They broke God's heart, like our kids can do. Um, yet he went looking for them. He searched for them. He found them in their hiding place. Have you ever had one of your kids know they've done something wrong and they go and hide? Um, our dog does that. Our dog knows they've done something wrong. And we have to go find our dog um, in the hiding place. So God engaged, engaged His children after they sinned. They didn't engage God. They hid. God engaged them. Really going to be going to be real important in just a few moments. Um, second, God gave each gave them each measurable pain. Measurable pain. Now, remember back to what she just read. What are some ways that he gave them measurable pain? What, what, how, what changed after they sinned? Pain in childbirth. That's right. Greatly increase your pain in childbirth. What else? What about for the man? What was something that was a consequence for him? He's got to toil. to work hard at it. Work harder at it to eat. Exactly right. Um, so physically, they're going to feel that. There was something else he did that might have been just emotionally hard. What, what else did he do to him? Yeah, he did. He, he sent him out of the garden, right? Sent him out and, and put guards over. He couldn't come back in. So all they had known, where they had kind of first met, and all that they had known of everything, now they're in this sweet spot that they're out. And, they, and there's these guards there, the cherubim with these flashing swords. They can't get back in, right? They're out. And, that's right. The wife wanted to rule over the husband. Exactly right. So, so the, this is measurable pain that took place as a consequence to their sin. So God goes after them, and then God delivers some measurable pain to them. Really important. The third thing He did, though, this is sweet. God gave them hope of restoration and of life ahead. You know what He did? He, he made clothing for them. Uh, he said that... that there's going to be pain, but you will still be able to have children, okay? It's going to be hard to produce fruit and vegetables from the ground, but you're still going to be able to eat. So he didn't say, okay, you're done with children, you're done eating. No, he gave hope that there's life ahead. Uh, you're going to have children. You're going to be able to eat. It's just going to be harder than it was. 
because you've allowed sin to enter the world. Um, I'm going to make you clothing. Um, I'm going to have to kill something and do that, but I'm going to make you clothing in order for that. So he allowed them to do these things, and the rest of the Bible is going to be about his redemptive plan to restore man back to himself. Because right now, man's outside the garden. He's outside of the will of God, and he's distant from his relationship. So what I want to do in just praying through this, thinking of this, is just kind of follow this lead for a framework for how we can discipline our kids. We're going to follow this exact same lead. Matter of fact, number one, three steps to biblical discipline. Number one, engage your child after he or she sins. It may feel like a hassle. Maybe mad in a hornet. Your heart might be broken. You might be upset. Um, but as God did, He engaged His children, and we can do the same. Matthew 18, 15. Kim, do you mind reading this, please? Go. Go and, and show them their faults. So, so the New Testament speaks this as well. So God modeled it. New Testament says, that, hey, if, if, if we catch them in sin, we've got to go. Now, the big question is, uh, what is sin? What, what are we referring to here? And is there a biblical mandate uh, for our kids? Deanna, do you mind to read that, please? Thank you. What's this referring back to? What's this New Testament verse referring back to? Ten Commandments, right? Exactly right. So Paul here is saying, hey, here's what children do. They're to do two things. Obey their parents and honor their parents, right? So if you're trying to decide, hey, what's going to be my definition of sin in the home or sin in our family? Well, you can look to this verse and say, hey, it's going to be anything that, that in which I as a parent are disobeyed or are dishonored because you as children are commanded to obey and honor us as parents. So anything outside of that, anything that's, that's willfully disobeying us or dishonoring us anyway, we're going to call that sin and we're going to go to you and we're going to deal with this. So this is a standard you could use to say, how do I know when my child is sin? Here's your biblical text for it. When they dishonor or disobey you. That's opposite of what God called your children to do. Great, great quote here from Paul David Tripp who wrote this book. Um, let's see. Do you mind to read this off the screen? How about that? You're always dealing with the thing. The thing that directs, shapes, controls. The thing is the heart, okay? Really big deal. Discipline is a heart issue. It is a heart issue. I'm going to bring Craig and O'Dallas up, if you would, just for a moment. I had them also. Uh, they also had a chance to read the book. And uh, as I just was revert, reviewing with Craig kind of what he read and what he saw in the book, what they gleaned from it. And this was a big truth for them, this idea of the heart issue. So I want to see if you'd share for a few moments about that. I thought she was going to get the microphone. Um, yeah, so Tim gave us this book, and it was a big eye-opener. It was really nice. We were the people in the room with the least child experience. I mean, we don't have much, but we've always looked kind of superficially at our children's behavior, misbehavior, uh, never really looked deeper. So kind of reading through this book and gleaning that it's a hard issue, but not just a hard issue of our children, because our, our children are inherently sinful-natured. Um, but also, it kind of took me further in saying, what about my heart? There was a... Um, 
one other thing that the book said I thought was worthwhile um, that said, well, there's many things worthwhile in there re regarding to the heart. What gets in the way of parenting is one thing, the character of the parent. And so kind of looking at my child's heart and what God's called me to, the gift of parenting my children, it brings back to me when I'm speaking to them, I'm disciplining them, what's my heart? And my heart needs to be God's heart. And so obviously it's just like any other, anything else, it's, it goes right back to the Bible, right? So um, yeah, that's my cleaning. <laughs> Whatever he said. <laughs> He's, it was, yes, uh, same thing. Um, it was a, a, a big conviction for me as well. Um, so I have, you don't know what else to add, but he said everything exactly the way. Um, so this is definitely something that I am definitely going to apply to my life uh, from now on forth with my kids uh, because, like he said, it's just superficial every time they do something. But just taking the time and really uh, looking at myself There's deeper first. issues at heart. Yes. So, yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you both. So, it, so discipline's more than behavior modification, right? This is about dealing with the heart, dealing with how do I deal with this and what do we do with it. Um, so the goal of parenting is not just to control their behavior or make them act right or make them not embarrass you when you're at Walmart, anything like that. It's deeper. We're trying to trying to see God change a heart here and help it shape them and direct them towards uh, God's will for their life. Uh, foundational. Um, that, that We're there. They've got God's given them to us for 18 years in our home, Lord willing, to shape them. Um, the most important heart, heart issue, though, there is a heart issue, and the most important one is authority. Uh, this is the most important piece of it. And authority is not just about a... They won't share their toy. They're literally rejecting the authority of saying that they're being told to share. It's not they're just not eating their peas. They're rejecting your authority when you tell them to clean up your plate. Um, it's not just they're just wanting to do whatever they want to do. Or it's not just they won't get in the car when you say, come get in the car, it's time to go. You could literally look at it as, hey, they're rejecting my authority by not coming out this way. Authority is a really big deal. I started out, the very first topic was that God established authority. And so in your home, as a parent, you're there to establish the authority in your home over your kids because God's placed you over those kids. So arguing, when they argue, when they fight, when they shout, when they pout, that is a heart issue. They're saying, I'm allowing my arguing to take over my heart versus allowing the Lord to take over my heart. And we're there just to see that, to pick up on it, and to steer them back towards the Lord and to point it out to them and help them. We don't want anything to be in their heart except for the Lord. And sin in their life really takes place if we're not careful. So a few things on here. Submission to authority um, is unnatural, okay, uh, because we're sinners, all right? We're, it just doesn't, we just don't naturally, because of sin nature, just give in to other people. Uh, we want our own way. Uh, we want to make our own rules, as, as I said. We want to refuse being told what to do. Uh, we love to be able to say, how, here's what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and don't tell me anything different. And our kids are born that way. So we're here to see that as Christian parents who have the Lord in our heart and His commands in our heart and help turn that around. Fantastic verse about the Lord Jesus, 2 Corinthians uh, 5.15. Luis, do you mind reading this off the screen, please? Perfect. So one of the reasons he went to the cross was he realized that we're born selfish, we're born self-absorbed, and we're going to want to 
live for ourselves, the verse says. But he's saying he died so that we don't have to live for ourselves. We've got a bigger purpose in how we live. And we're there to teach our kids there's a bigger purpose than living for yourself. It's living for Jesus. And as a matter of fact, he died on the cross to allow us to live for him, to really rescue us from ourselves. So if we allow our kids to reject authority in our home, then they'll reject authority at school. They'll reject it on the ball field. They'll reject it at the church. They might even not confess wrong. They might not forgive them, offer forgiveness to others. They might ultimately reject God. So we've got to realize that in their heart, what they're born with in that heart is a rejection of authority. And we've got to be in there to help root that out. Fantastic verse. Um, let's keep going down the line over here. Would you mind, yeah, do you mind to ask her if she would read this, please? Yep, Deuteronomy 529. Yeah, so, so the Lord's saying, I just wish, I just wish that they and their kids would keep my commands, okay? I wish it had been in their heart. I wish it had been in their heart because God knows what's in the heart is so vitally important. That also goes back to our Deuteronomy 6 verse about discipleship for our kids. Verse 6, these words I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. So let's go start right there. Um, speaking of that, um, Bruce, this is Bruce Starnes. He works on our staff here. And uh, he's going to help us cue something up. Um, one of the resources I'll show you towards the end of the class is called The Art of Parenting. And in this video series, there's several fantastic little snippets. We're going to watch one, about six, seven minutes. And uh, I think you'll enjoy seeing this one. This piece about the heart, um, it, is, it is not only something we deal with with our kids, but something that we, as adults, continue to take to the Lord daily, right? We're to die to self ourselves. And take to him also. I don't know about you guys. Um, let me just add, just to know in the room, how many how many have kids five and younger? Okay, most good. All right, five to six to six to twelve, six to twelve, then thirteen and older. Okay, I'm praying mostly for you all, the 13 and older group. Yep. Our class is next week, Hope for Parents of Teens and Young Adults. You guys come back. I'll be here with you, I promise. Um, so so a, good, a good array across. Um, we'll talk in a few minutes about how important for those five-year-old and youngers, uh, what's different about where you guys are. Our goal isn't behavior modification. Our goal isn't just morality. 
is an outcome, but the goal we're looking for is transformation, is spiritual formation, not just information. I think it is very possible for Christian parents who are really concerned about the world shaping their kids and they really want to be intent on discipline. We can end up being too controlling. We can think that if we just get the discipline right, that somehow we will end up with the product that we desire and we'll become not really gospel parents, but behavior-centric parents. There will be some overlap with any you know, decent people in the world who want their children not to be addicted to drugs and run amok and steal things and shoot people, of course. But we're after something more than that as Christians. We want to get to the heart. So that, that's, that's a key word, the heart. And that really gets to the heart of the difference between just behavior modification and gospel-centered parenting. In the gospel, it's not only the action. Behavior is referenced in the gospel, but it's the rationale and the motivation of why we do it becomes a critical importance. Because as a Christian, the concept of faith, which bases what we do, defines what we are. Values of honesty, integrity, kindness, gentleness, self-respect. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Return telephone calls, shine your shoes. All of these things, of course, can be taught. The military have learned how to do these things without the regenerating grace of God. But we daren't um, think that our job is finished if they have laid hold of certain of these externals and we just raise a child in natural virtue. Because what we long for is for our children to lay hold of the precious promises of God. The first and most wonderful being, you know, that I will be your God and you will be my child, and this is the way. There's nothing at all wrong with helping children understand the appropriate way to live. As long as your love isn't tied to that, as long as your acceptance and relationship with them isn't tied to that. So I want to be a person who will give the rules, but for me, it was all about pleasing me. And what I did was I equated pleasing me with pleasing God. False ridiculous. I think my children understood and loved them, but I was very, very interested in having them perform properly. In part because I had lived this very botched life, and I wanted to prove I was no longer that person. Ultimately, that child is going to step away from your daily supervision, and they're going to have to make spiritual, emotional, intellectual, physical decisions on their own, and unless their heart has been changed, unless they've embraced a faith in God and character themselves, then they're going to have a if you parent for the child, the externals will come. But unfortunately, what we do today is we parent the externals. We care for performance and the way they look and their weight. And you know, there's so many articles on obesity. Should I start my child in kindergarten at five or six or seven? But really, we need to be pulling back and focusing on the core of the child. So that all starts really with nurturing a strong faith in Christ. My older son was four. My younger son was two. I had gone out of the room for you know 22 seconds. And I heard from the other room just, you know, the scream where you know something's horrible. I run back into the room, my four-year-old sitting on my two-year-old, just pummeling him. 
straddles him in between his legs, just pounding him. On my four-year-old's back is a big bite mark that's bleeding. And immediately I go over to my four-year-old and I give him the law. I tell him, you have to love your brother. And he looked at me and just crying and angry, I can't. And then I say to him, right, you need Jesus. So the point of the law, the point of godly character traits isn't to make your kids good. It can't, it won't. The point of the law is to show them how desperate they are for a savior. And then it also shows us what gospel-engendered gratitude looks like. How does that work out in our lives? Well, we love each other, we love our neighbors, we give, we're kind, we're patient, all these godly character traits. If you're truly grateful for the way that God's working your life, that should be flowing, not perfectly, but it should be flowing out of your life. So yes, give your kids the law. And yes, ask them to be kind and patient and all of those things. Even unbelievers can do those things. And quite honestly, sometimes better than believers. But that doesn't mean they're right before God. It doesn't earn a righteousness before God. In parenting, yes, we are trying to disciple our children and shape good character. But God is also using our kids and the daily grind of parenting to disciple us. The only question is, are we humble enough to listen? It's so easy to just want to just shape their behavior and just say, you know, oh, just stop, you know, just to stop. Or because I want to look good in front of other people. But ultimately, I do want their heart to be formed in terms of, like, I want to obey God because it's in my heart to obey God. I want to honor Him. If we don't aim for the heart, somebody said we can release the Pharisees where externally they look great, but their hearts are chaos. Our hope and our desires are I want you to have the heart and help them see. We just don't want you to be a good kid. We want you to know Jesus. So that's the uh, art of parenting, and we'll, we'll see another clip in just a few moments. Um, so what I want to show you is, just going back quickly, that, that God established authority. Uh, he told them exactly what they're to do and clearly did that. And so I want to make sure that, that you see that it's, it's okay to establish authority in your home. Matter of fact, there's real good advice to establish authority early. Um, also, even in the small things. I want to introduce you to one more couple. This is Joe and Deanna Hardy. Do you mind to come up? Um, I've respected this couple for years, the 20 years I've been here. We live close to each other and just appreciate their heart for discipleship. And as he reviewed the book, uh, he told me that one of the biggest parts for him was, was this idea of early, establish authority on an early basis. So I'm going to let you guys just share with us if you would. Um, I, I guess the thing that kind of jumped out at me, Tim, when you were going through Genesis is the fact that before God disciplined them, he had that deep relationship with them. If if your discipline doesn't come out of a deep, deep love relationship, it, it's not going to be effective. If, if your children's primary relationships and influences are the students around them in school, their teachers who probably or possibly share different values. If, if their closest relationship is not you, the discipline's only going to have so much impact. And, and I guess the thing that, um, one thing that was in the book that jumped out at me that, that we tried to implement is um, the, the concept of I want to discipline my kids or I wanted to, our, our kids are, are about out of the house now, but the way I wanted God to discipline me. I want it to be in love. I want it to be uh, instructive where, where I know what he's telling me. Um, and I want it to be, um, 
I want it to be with as little pain as possible. And um, in the end, I want to know that, that we're done, that I'm forgiven. And, you know, that, that's the approach we tried to take with our children was um, always, never, never disciplined in, love, in, in anger, always in love. And, you know, there were times that wasn't going to happen in the moment. So you send them to their room, let me cool down and um, let them dread it for a little bit. That's okay. That, that, there's something effective to that. Um, but if, if you want to produce hostility and rebellion and everything that you don't want in discipline, do it out of anger. You know, I always, we would always cool down and then go in, just like Tim's saying, and have that discussion of, you know, tell them that we love them. We love them too much to let them go down this road, to let them do these things that are not pleasing to God and, and not just talk about, what they did, but why, it's, why it is so important that they not do that. You know, that's where you link it to, you know, yes, you, you know, the way you talk to your mom, we can't have that, but it's because if, if you don't listen to her, you're not going to listen to God. You know, if, if you, you blew your mom off after she told you what to do, if, if you do that to God, you don't know when you can ignore God's word one time and it's too late. And just, uh, we, we would always have that discussion. Then we would take care of the discipline. We wanted it to be very effective so we didn't have to do it as often. And then always end it with, it, we're done. You know, there's no need to, to act mad at them the rest of the day or express disappointment on and on because that's not how I want God to, to look at me. And, and uh, if, if I drove drove one thing home it's that thing of it's got you've got to have that relationship and the discipline's going to have to be out of love in order to be effective and it does start with the small things part of discipline is basic training don't over spiritualize it it's just basic training you can train a dog and you can train a baby and um, that's one thing that i had no concept on that that d was great on and did with our kids well, somebody did tell us that when we first were expecting our oldest, Joseph, they said those words, if you can, you know, if you can train a dog and a horse, you can train your child. And um, while that may sound, I don't know, this what I'm saying might sound a little bit harsh to somebody, but I, I really took that to heart. I had been a teacher before I had my kids, and I had seen that in action. If you wanted a certain behavior you trained for that behavior and so I really started doing that with Joseph and Caroline when they were very young I remember Joseph uh, at nine months old we had uh, all of you who said you had five and unders this he was nine months and we had our phone in the floor for some reason I really don't remember why it was in the floor but I didn't want him touching it there were cords and wires and so he would crawl over there and reach his hand out and and start to touch it. And I'd say, no, Joseph. And I had a little, somebody in here is going to think I'm cruel, but anyway, I had a little piece of weed eater cord. And as he as his hand touched that telephone, I would just bop him with that weed eater cord. And he would look at his hand. It was not a punishment. It was training him. Don't, listen to my voice. I wanted them to listen to me. And if I said no, to stop. And so he would look at his hand, and I just, you know, 
did that even from nine months old when I knew he could understand and could respond to that. Um, and the thing, one thing in that book, Tim, it was talking about uh, being willing to invest in in the time, early times, in the early years, taking the time to invest, to, to do those things that uh, it's trouble, it's a hassle, like you said. Um, one time at Kroger, Joseph was about two, and I'd never had any trouble with him before. I was putting him in the cart to go grocery shopping, and he just threw a conniption fit in the store, would, did, would not put his feet in those little slots. And he'd never done that before. And I said, Joseph, no, he just kept throwing the fit. So I left the grocery cart right there. We went all the way home. And I know there would be people that would say, by the time you got home, he forgot, he had forgotten what he did. But I reminded him <laughs> and I spanked him and I said, now we're going back up to Kroger and you are going to put your, you know, you're going to put your feet in that cart and we're going to get groceries. And I only had to do that one time. He never did that again. But be willing to take the time, the hassle of training them, you know, to do what they need to do, to obey what you say. If you just blow by it and give the, now don't do that again. I've already told you that five times. If I have to tell you again, I didn't want to be saying that all the time because I, I knew from teaching, kids will run right over you and take charge if you don't take charge. And so... I would just encourage you to take those early times, those first years, and invest heavily in training them to listen to your voice. One one thing on that, um, I've always loved what Dee did that day at Kroger because every time I walk through Walmart or Kroger, I see somebody with that kid, he or she is throwing a fit. The kid's miserable. The parent's miserable. Everyone around them is miserable, and I look at it and go, you, you could fix this in, in 30 minutes. That's what God does for us when he disciplines us. He is cre he's keeping us from more misery, and, and that's exactly what, you know, what our discipline is supposed to do, is to train us to follow him so that we have the best life we can have. D always said to our kids, I want, to be, I want people to want to be around y'all. You know, kids are naturally funny. They're fun to have around, but so many times people don't want them around, you know, because of how they act. And and yet God has put it, it it's our job as parents to train them to be like him so that people will, will want to be around them, will enjoy them. And um, I, I was blessed to have Dee. I didn't know these things, but, you know, she didn't say this, but we, we knew the little weed eater cord worked when he crawled over to the phone one day and looked at it and started rubbing his hand. She didn't touch him. He he knew, you know, and in, in, in that early training, both from, from a training standpoint and then teaching them uh, about God from the place of a love relationship is we found to be so effective. Thank you, Bob. Thank you all. Uh, how cool is that, that the closer my love relationship is, the more effective my discipline is? That's pretty profound. Thank you for sharing that. Um, the closer my love relationship is with my child, the more effective that discipline is with them. I love that. Um, you know, something else that, that the Lord did, that God did with Adam and Eve, he clarified 
what obedience looked like. And I just want to share with you, we did this too. Susan and I did raising our boys. We, it's actually, I just clipped this right off of a sheet that we used um, when they were growing up. We just said, here's what honoring looks like in our family. And here's what dishonoring looks like. And so we, we wrote it out for them um, because they're, they're young and um, they, they had to be reminded this would be, sometimes it would be a, a nighttime dinner conversation. We just bring these sheets back out and show it to them. We just spelled it out for this is honoring, this is dishonoring. Because remember, they're supposed to honor the Lord. We also had sheets for disobedience. And we said this, obedience is what this looks like and disobedience is what it looks like. So we said, here's also what it looks like to obey or disobey. Um, we had a little hard time. We'd call them to come to dinner or call them to come hang out or call them to go to get ready to go to church, whatever it is. And they would yell, hey, the show is still on. Or I'm going to this next level. And I hated those video game makers that made it where you couldn't pause the video game. The game had to go to the next level to, to finish off. And there were times I gave in. There was times I didn't. Um, but we instructed a disobedience. Now, we used a technique, and uh, it, it was very effective for us. It was called the if-then chart. don't know if you're familiar with this or not, uh, but I brought some. We, uh, we bought some of these, and what I'm going to do is we're going to take a – we bought 10 of these each, and I'm going to take uh, the roll here, and we're going to just randomly pick – I'm going to let Bruce pick, if he would, 10 people out of the roll to give these 10 to. And what this does, it just shows, as you can see on the screen, Here's some things that, that, that would be dishonoring or disobedient to, to us as parents. And what this does, it gives them a verse of Scripture. It's a new one I've got. It gives both a verse of Scripture on the negative side of, what, of why this is wrong, but also a redemptive verse on this side. And what, what you do in this column is you just write out what would be the corrective action that you're going to place on them if they do this. We posted this beside our refrigerator in our kitchen. It was big. It was bigger than this, and they could see it. So literally, it took any guesswork out of us, out of it for us. We just literally said, hey, you just lied to your mom about this. You stood right in front of her, lied to her. Because of that, here's what we've agreed to do as a family. Here's how we're going to deal with this. And so this, this chart is through doorposts. You can Google this if then chart. They're available. We're going to give 10 of these away for free. They were very effective for us. Maybe you'd find them to be effective as well. Just clarifying, here's what we call a sin in our home. Um, just know that. So uh, please consider, number one, engage your child after they sin. And sin would be any time that they've disobeyed or dishonored you. Number two, give your child a, amount, a measurable amount of pain. Measurable is an important word, measurable amount of pain. Uh, Dennis Rainey says this, Discipline is for correcting the heart. We've established that. Dealing with a bad attitude and training a child to repent. Okay, that's what it's about. It's about these things. All these are important. The heart, the attitude, to repent. Um, he tells a funny story in his book about a lady who, uh, a mother and father who bought their son a car when he turned into a teenager. And they said, we got two rules. Number one, you, you have to lock the car everywhere you go. And number two, no alcohol in the car. Three weeks into it, she found an empty beer can under his seat. And she said in advance, if we find this, we're selling your car. So she tells them, tells him, I found this. Of course, he says, a friend's. And he, he said, we're selling your car. And, of course, he says, you're the meanest mom ever. You know, you shouldn't do this. You're the worst. This is horrible. So she says, you know what? I'm selling it, and I'm going to make a point out of this. So she put this ad in the paper, and that's how the ad read. Um, Olds, 1999, intrigued for sale. Totally uncool parents. That's what he called them. But obviously, don't love the teenage son, which is also what he said. Selling his car. Only driven for three weeks after being stupid mom. They, he called her that. Needs to get a life. He said that about his mom. Found booze under the front seat. Called meanest mom on the planet. She had over 70 phone calls of people calling about this. And you know what? They weren't calling to buy the car. They were calling to say, you go, girl. 
Um, that's how you do it. You know, you, you establish authority and you stick with it. Um, and you might think, man, that is mean. Why, why would you do that? That's really mean. No, it's building character. Okay, it's establishing authority. It's being redemptive, um, being a disciple maker. Um, this is uh, Meg. Oh, Dallas, do you mind to read what she wrote? So author, pediatrician, just kind of speaking into it. Um, one of my favorite quotes is this one. Uh, Measured amounts of pain now may prevent much greater pain as they grow older. What you do now, what Dee was talking about in, in Joe, what you do now could surely prevent as they get older. So in our home, uh, I'm going to share with you something that we used also. So here's what we put up to them. And here's what's going to happen if you are dishonoring um, or if you're disobeying. One, you'll be taken to a private place, similar to what you did, D, when you went out of Kroger, which is public, and went to a private place. Why, why is that important to go to a private place? Why is that important for our kids? What's that? Yeah, not embarrassed. Exactly right. Took them to a private place. Um, number two, you have to answer to mom and dad. Now, the answer to mom and dad, that's where they had to kind of walk through some things with us. And we asked some questions like, all right, let's just sit down and talk about it. What happened? We kind of walked through these questions. Not all of these all the time, not perfectly, but hey, what filled your heart when this happened? What, what was in your heart? Um, how did you respond? What was, you know, Dad, I was mad at him. Or, how, you know, how did you respond? Well, I, I took it out on him. I got my toy back or whatever. Did you sin in that? You know, he's got a bloody nose. Did you sin in that over there? Um, why did you do this? How could you have done it differently? Um, and what's the only hope regarding your sin? Now, in that, this is where she and I would decide at what level. Now, we've already, on the if-then chart, we already knew, okay, lying is spanking, okay? And this point, based off where they were, would determine sometimes how many swats they got. Um, we, we did learn this. We did the thing where we'd hold them by the left arm and try to spank them with this hand. And we, however you take this, we got to the point where we just had them just lay over the bed. And because we wanted to just, you know, with their pants on and just, and what we generally try to do is however they are, they were is how many swats they got. So if they were five years old, they got five swats. The seven-year-old got seven. Just kind of measurable amount of pain. But similar to what you're saying, Joe, I want them to feel it. Hey, this is what it feels like. And I want the other brothers to hear what that felt like down the hallway. Um, by the way, our fourth and fifth son, we've not had to spank. Because um, they saw one, two, three and what they did. And um, they kind of learned quickly. So we tried to follow the pattern. Um, after this, they have a chance to, re to repent. They tell them it was wrong. Uh, they were asked to apologize. And just like you said, just try to hug them and pray for them. The hugs weren't always mutual. <laughs> it was more like, you know, I'm not sure I want to touch you right now, Dad. But this is kind of what we tried to work through. Again, not perfect, but we just tried to, there were about seven years that, that we were able to try to use this model that we got um, out of a book. I'm going to show you in just a few moments. Um, so that's kind of what we walked through. Just a few great verses, Proverbs 13, 24. Um, back in the back, I, I'm looking at you, sir, in the, in the plaid. Do you mind to read this, please? I'm going to have you read a few for me. Proverbs 13, 24. Thank you. This is Solomon. Why is this man on earth? Talking about the rod. And in these contexts in Proverbs, the rod is always in the context of discipline. I realize in Psalm 23, the Lord's our shepherd and his rod comforts me. That's a, that's a picture of a, a comforting shepherd. 
Psalm is referring to a rod that's used for discipline. Another one. I'll go back to you. You did a great job. Please, would you do that one also? This is Solomon saying that rod will work. We promise. And one last one. Thank you. These two are important. There's the rod. Okay, there's the corrective action, but the reproof. You know what that is? That's training in righteousness. That's the discussion afterwards. That's the same. Let's talk about this. Talk about what happened. That's the steering them back, their hearts back to the Lord and talking through it with them. We don't want them just to act like a Christian. We want them to think like a Christian and think how, we, how we, we want them to think back towards the Lord. And you might choose verses for this. You might choose like Ephesians 4 to, to put off the old self and put on the new self. There may be a theme of a verse you're emphasizing in your home. You can spank the fool out of somebody, but you can't spank wisdom into them. So you got to talk through it and make sure you understand as we go. Um, please, Bruce, we got one more quick one to show. Um, we'll kind of talk through it as he gets ready. Reproof is a biblical word. Uh, it's the idea that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make sure they understand. We're going to talk through um, what's going on here. And make sure they know that, that, that there's truth and righteousness. So we're teaching them. We're proving them. We're, we're teaching them. You know, parents need lots of tools toolbox because different kids respond to different things. So for example, your best tool for discipline is catch them doing something right. Catch them doing it right. Praise that. Comment on that. Wow, I noticed you just did so and so. That was wonderful. How'd you do it? This far and away shapes behavior better than any sort of punishment does. So many times when a parent says they're never going to spank, they don't come up with a, another effective
I'm just gonna take everything. And they didn't believe me. So she called me and I went over there and I started taking all the little stuff and putting it all in my van. And they were standing there and one of the boys started crying because I took his drum set. Another boy was just standing there under he was defiant. And his mother said to me, He likes clothes. <laughs> so I went to his closet and I grabbed the clothes and he's like, ah. <laughs> I put it all in my van, locked it up. I said, Will you guys act right up? Time out, so it may have some benefits in getting the child to calm down, or you don't just want it to be a banishment. You need to follow up with some conversation. You need to explain why you're in a cooling off period. I think you can remove privileges so when they get older, there are certain things. You don't have dessert tonight. You aren't playing with your friends. You don't have uh, the screen time that you wanted today. We've, you know, had children write out. Bible verses that pertain to the sin that they committed. You want to be careful with that. Uh, so the Bible is my punishment when I do bad things. We want to try to explain. That's not how to view the Bible. And yet there's something here that can teach you a better way to respond with your anger. And so we've had to memorize the passage of Scripture or write out Scripture verses. We have told our children that if we think that the punishment or the discipline that we've given to them is too harsh, that they're allowed to make it a respectful not like, I, I can't believe you just said that. But, hey, I feel like that was done out of anger. Could you please reconsider? And we had a situation where that happened, where one of our sons did something. My husband and I talked about it. He dealt with something that we thought was fair. He made a respectful plea to us. And we both were like, ooh, we think it's fair. But we went to our other son, our older son, asked him what he thought. He said, I think it's harsh. I think it was done out of anger. So we came back and we changed. Not by a ton, but we did change. But just to let your kids know, I don't think I'm perfect. I think I make mistakes. So if I'm going to ask you to be repentant, then I need to lead you in that. I think that's one of the main job descriptions of a parent. I feel like every parent has to decide for themselves who they are and how their children are wired. But you have to have some sort of strategy because discipline is security child. It's loving them. It's giving them boundaries. And honestly, discipline helps your kids to be liked by the world because nobody wants these bratty kids running around. You're doing a favor to your child. All right. Um, so that was number two. Give your child a measurable amount of pain. Number three, give your child hope of restoration in the life ahead. Give your child hope. This is exactly what God did for Adam and Eve. Um, remember, God didn't kill Adam and Eve. He let them live. Uh, so just a few things quickly. This is something we did in our home. Um, we just posted for the boys to see what our goal was for them. And the goal for them was to develop a heart for God as a young boy so that they'd honor and obey Jesus the rest of their lives. Um, and on your paper, it just has this at the bottom. Learning to honor and obey parents is the best way to learn to in turn honor and obey the Lord Jesus. Um, we just talked about, we just brought it back to the Lord as a solution just told him that Jesus' work in you will help you obey God's commands to honor and obey your mother and father. Just remind them that they need Jesus' help. And so we just kind of point them back to the Lord, point them back to Jesus every chance that we got. Um, I want to show you this too. This is called the blessing chart. This is similar to the if-then chart. Um, we had this also. Uh, and ours was looked like that. They've updated it now where they just have two wonderful verses. They I read about this. They've taken the this reward thing off because it didn't want to sort of always have the parent having to 
you know, buy Dairy Queen Blizzard every time they told the truth. That would cost a lot of money. So they just took it off to say, just we, we just want to honor the Lord and obey your parents as a lifestyle. Nothing that has to be rewarded. But here's some verses that would say, I just I caught you doing that. You know, sometimes the best discipline is catch them doing something right. And just say, hey, you, know, you did great celebrating that. So that's what this is called, the blessing chart. You can find those online as well. A great tool uh, to use. So those are the three steps, kind of the framework out of Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 that, that we think is a great framework for parenting. Um, now let me do this. Let me just give you quickly just a few things. Just to remind you, we're for you as parents. So we're going to close down the shop here. Let me just give you three, three of my favorite books. Shepherding a Child's Heart. That's what helped Susan and I really put together those documents that you saw. Parenting is a new book. And Don't Make Me Count to Three is a really very practical, small book on just some practical insights on how really how to do this well. And um, Godly Writer, she did a great job with the book. Um, so those are three books that, that we recommend. Shepherding a Child's Heart, Parenting, and Don't Make Me Count to Three. Now also, the clips you saw, the video clips, uh, you can go to bellwood.org forward slash right now media. Download that. It's free. There's all, It's like a Netflix for Christians. In there, you can find The Art of Parenting. You can watch all six sessions. Uh, it's fantastic. They've also got one called The Art of Marriage. It's really done well. And so that's another resource uh, for you. Uh, one of the best resources we say is to join a life group. If you're not in a life group right now, please consider joining one. Go visit one this Sunday. You can go to our website and find the groups that we offer. Um, and there's, there's groups. That's where a lot of folks find other young couples that are same age or couples are same age with kids are same age. You kind of share ideas, share prayer requests, you know, kind of kick ideas around on, hey, how do we do this life and get our kids back towards the Lord? When you're part of a life group, it helps you get involved in things like mentoring moms that's offered, date night, child care that's offered. All those come along with being a member of a life group. You get to do some fun things with it. Hey, so glad you've been here tonight. Uh, next week, October 26th, is called Hope for Parents of Teens and Young Adults. And uh, this class is for anyone who's got, got teens or young adults who've just kind of gone a little bit offline alignment of where you, how you've raised them. And my wife and I, that's part of our story. And uh, so I'm going to be sharing some things from our, our, our story as well. But I'll be back here next, so be next week, the same time, 630, right back here in the room. Bruce, you want to come back up? So Bruce has uh, using a wonderful process of how he's randomly chosen 10 people. I'm going to let you, you've got the mic, if you'll call out the names, you're going to call out 10 names, and those 10 folks just see me after a class, and I've got the, you'll get both an if-then chart and a blessing chart. All right, uh, Sophia Jones. Where's Sophia? All right, congratulations. Uh, Adam Bryant. Hey, all right. Laura Dumpster. Laura? Yay, all right. Andrew Edwards. Yes, there you go. That's right. <laughs> Pays to show up. Yep. Diane Britton. Diane. Yay. All right. Take it home. Allison Smith. Yes. Let's see. Where do I got him? Uh, Andrew Keithley. Ah, that's nice, Andrew. Um, yes, it is. Adelie. Yay! All right, you take it home, Adelie. You got it. Yep. And Iki. Eki? 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 Yay! All right. Fantastic. That 10? Okay. We all stand up with me, please. We'll stand up. And we'll, um, so good to have everybody. Thank you for being here. And uh, Deanna, what, do you mind just come pray us out? Do you mind to come pray for these parents? You can use that mic if you like or this one. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Deanna's going to pray us out and we'll head home.
Dear Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege of being parents. I thank you for my children. I thank you for the children represented across this room. And Lord, we do pray that you would help us to think about how we want our children to look as they grow up and then help us to become those things so that they can see what they're supposed to look like. Help us to represent you, to look like you, to live like you, to talk like you, to act like you. Lord, help us to show our children how you want them to look. And Lord, we know it's so much easier for them to see things and copy those things that are modeled and help us to model them well. Help us to follow you with all of our hearts, to love you with our hearts, our souls, our minds, and our strengths. And here, Lord, help us to just give ourselves to your work and your way and your will so that our children will do the same. In Jesus' name, amen.